The beauty of EP is that everything connects to the heartbeat, your gut, your brain, your sleep, your hormones. So if women are on Instagram and if I can show them uh, the connection between their life and the beat of their heart, then I hope that I can empower them to, uh, to make changes where it's necessary. When saving lives is what you do, your standards are anything but standard. In fact, you set them higher than most to deliver results that patients can depend on. You refuse to compromise. We couldn't agree more. We are Edwards Life Sciences, and like you, we believe that good is never good enough. Rising to the challenge of today's TAVR patients isn't just a mission, it's a commitment. And because you set a higher standard, we set our sights on meeting you there. Welcome to the higher standard, your standard. Learn more at edwardstaver.com. Welcome to Parallax by Anka Kalra, a podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology and the best from the US Cardiology Review. Published every second Monday, Anka Kalra, MD, interventional cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, USA, speaks with legendary cardiologists, reviews late-breaking trials, and interviews authors of our latest and best US cardiology review articles. We call them hashtag audio articles. Parallax is the effect whereby the position or direction of an object appears to differ when viewed from different positions. So this podcast is your fix of reliable updates on all things cardiology by someone from a non-traditional background who is always looking at the industry from a new angle. Now, here's your host, Anka Kalra, MD. This is another episode of Parallax, um, and um, I-, I believe is going to be an interesting episode because um, we have on the show someone who I believe is extremely talented and um, you know has just an incredible gift of how she disseminates medical education you know not only related to cardiovascular medicine or cardiac electrophysiology you know she happens to be a clinical cardiac electrophysiologist and I'm going to introduce her formally but you know also I've been I've been following her on Instagram uh, you know I don't know how I was let let to her account but she has quite the following on Instagram and, um, you know, I have learned so much following her posts online, um, just because they're so elaborate and, and they're so detailed and they're, um, you know, extremely well done, you know, in terms of, you know, simplifying and explaining complex medical concepts, which, you know, may be complex to an interventional cardiologist or, or a cardiac electrophysiologist. But, you know, I, I think she, she does an incredible job in, in breaking down and synthesizing the literature and presenting that to to us so that we can sort of digest those nuggets so so with that uh, you know we we have dr hafiza khan on the show um uh, hafiza thank you so much for for making the time dr khan is a clinical cardiac electrophysiologist like i said um a, a, in the baylor scott scott and white uh, system in dallas and um you know i you know, as we're going to find out, she has a passion for medical education. And, you know, I would encourage the listeners to start following her on Instagram. And without much further ado, Hafiza, welcome on the show. 
Thank you so much, Uncle. So I think uh, you started following me because I quoted one of your studies on um, uh, Takotsubo's or heartbreak, uh, broken heart syndrome. And one, uh, maybe your sister-in-law or your sister follows me on Instagram and uh, and she messaged me and the next thing you know, uh, she must have tagged you. So I uh, microblog on Instagram as heart.beatdoctor. So heart period beat period doctor. Um, and I've been um, microblogging, as I call it, for almost 18 months now. And it's been a fun um, educational experience for most EPs and cardiology. Social media is really Twitter. It's where we communicate with each other and disseminate ideas. Um, Instagram is not really what most of us consider to be a social media platform for cardiology or EP. But the visual aspect of Instagram is really so suited for, um, you know, diagrams, graphics, uh, little PowerPoint presentations, and even 15-minute chalk talks. So uh, a social media forum that can be used to sell, uh, you know, clothing or travel or can also be used uh, at, to create interesting visuals that can educate. Excellent. No, I, and you know, I've, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I've just been blown away with the kind of content that you've produced, uh, you know, through your Instagram handle. And, um, you know, I, I will probably delve more into it, you know, because, um, you use, you know, intricate, uh, I mean, uh, thanks for also introducing the word microblogging, uh, you know, to me, but, what I was what I was saying was that you use these intricate uh, graphics, you know, that make your each of the Instagram slides very interactive, uh, you know, from a multimedia perspective. And then it's it's also very engaging. It's also very easy to understand. It's very digestible. I mean, I, you know, we were just talking off off the line, and I was telling you how much I've learned about you know COVID nineteen and and the COVID nineteen vaccines and. And everything that's happening with with the variants, and I mean, you, you've sort of become my, you know, go to Instagram handle for learning everything that's happening in the COVID nineteen world. You know, I obviously have been involved with COVID nineteen research at, at the Cleveland Clinic, but you know, your handle has, you know, quite frankly, been, you know, on the cutting edge of COVID nineteen research. So kudos to you for investing uh, time to sort of develop that content for. Cardiologists, you know, I, I don't know what your following is like, but I'm, I'm sure there are um, physicians and, you know, allied healthcare professionals and healthcare providers from other uh, fields in medicine. Thank you so much. Yes, I, I um, I'm hoping I'm probably going to hit fifty thousand followers tomorrow, which is uh, nice for me because it's the beginning of Heart Month, and so I think the thing is this is. People of all uh, educational levels want uh, knowledge from their doctor, not from uh, a wellness expert, a naturopath. They want um, medical information, but they want it from somebody that they trust. So the thing with Instagram is that 
They have to trust me before they trust the education. So there are so many ways for me to connect with people. There's the stories feature. So where I give them a little uh, snippets of my life, because who am I? Why should they trust me? Who, who am I? Uh, I'm, you know, maybe I'm just a, a for big pharma shrill or something like that. You know what we physicians are accused of. So it's awkward, but they need, they want to know who I am. Once they have scoped me out as a, as a person whom is trustworthy, they then will look at the post and I need to condense the content into something that's visually appealing and quick to understand because everybody is busy scrolling. So, so that uh, those two things are challenges. Some people like a little bit more in-depth chalk talk. So the IGTV allows me to have a 15 minutes on a, a post-it pad. So uh, I think that pseudoscience, uh, you know, uh, supplements, uh, all of these things, pseudoscience supplements, uh, hoaxes about vaccines and masks. Um, as we were talking about, this is just a hobby, which is why I don't use my real name because I have no ulterior motive to drive patients to my practice, which is already full, okay? And I turn down, you know, uh, you know, little freebies or giveaways because um, I don't want to diminish uh, what I do uh, by doing that. And I want them to trust that there's no ulterior motive in the information that I'm giving. So it advances my career zip. But I have graduated from medical school in 1992. So this is the 28th year of being a physician. I've been a board certified cardiologist for 21 years and a board certified EP for 20. So at this point in my career, I use Twitter to communicate with my colleagues, but I am now thinking, what can I give back? How can I give back? I'm not at a program that um, until this year had a teaching program and I love to teach. So what is my legacy going to be? Uh, how can I reach more people than I do in my practice? Uh, even a single one of my posts reaches 10,000 people, 50,000 followers. Uh, so it's a powerful way for me to give back in gratitude uh, not everything in life has to have a quid pro quo that there's no ulterior motive. I don't advance my career. I don't make money, but there comes a point and I'm transitioning from mid-career to, I don't know what late career is, <laughs> the sunset phase. And uh, I'm starting to think in terms of what's my legacy going to be as a physician in practice who doesn't um, have fellows, uh, and so this is my outlook, and it's really been a joy for me. No, no, that's uh, so. First off, you know, thank you for sharing uh, what the motivation is. You know, I mean, for anyone who follows you and follows the feed, uh, you know, it is not hard for for people to discern that the motivation is nothing but, um, you know, a, a very pure, altruistic um, emotion of yours that that comes out, uh, you know, through your Instagram feed, and that is you just want to educate. And, you know, I've, uh, 
you know, I've been a firm believer of this notion and, you know, I'm sure, um, you know, I don't know if you've, if you've, um, subscribed to the, the podcast, Cardio Nerds uh, is a podcast that is produced uh, by, yeah, it, I mean, they're, they're, they're fantastic and phenomenal and, you know, they're, uh, the, the, the podcast series is produced by, uh, you know, one of our fellows at the Cleveland Clinic along with, you know, his, his colleague at Johns Hopkins. Uh, but, you know, like, you know, what, what they say about democratizing medical education, you know, I, I have been a firm believer in, in this. Um, I shouldn't really call it a principle, but it's maybe, maybe it is a principle or if, if, if lack for, you know, for lack of a better word. And that is that if, if you, if you truly want to give something to the world, you know, the seekers will, will come to you, the seekers will find you. And, you know, trust me, there are seekers all over the planet and, you know, what, what you've done and continue to do is just, um, a beautiful example of what I, of what I just, uh, you know, shared, you know, with the listenership. Um, so, so Hafiza, let's, let's back up and, and I, I, I will, you know, delve into how you, you sort of get, it. I will delve into the technicalities of how you del how you develop these, these micro blogs, um, and these, uh, Instagram TV talks, you know, these chalk talks for like 15 minutes, which, which are excellent, but let's just back up a little bit and, and talk about your journey. Uh, I mean, you are an immigrant uh, and I know this because I'm a follower of yours on Instagram and, you know, that was also a beautiful Instagram post that you shared, you know, about your, your journey in, 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 in life and in medicine and how, how you met your husband and you know, your, your kids and, you know, your parents were immigrants from India. Am I, am I correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Southern India. I'm half from Kerala, half from uh, Tamil. So I'm Southern Indian. Excellent. So yeah, I'm going to, so continue. I'm going to, I'm going to let you, start, you know, let, let you take the pedestal from here and, and talk more about your life and your journey. So, you know, part of it is that um, uh, it's awkward to tell people about who you are as you're a non-physician. Yeah. So I'm very comfortable speaking about my medical journey, but speaking about my personal journey as an Indian immigrant and as a Muslim immigrant is very awkward because as you know, in our culture, we tend to not share things like that publicly. But there's several uh, pandemics. One of them is hate towards people who are not viewed, people who are viewed as others, immigrants to this country, Muslim Americans, Indian Americans. So, so I share who I am publicly to 50,000 people. And uh, because that's the only way that we can enact changes for people to see that I am no different, no better, no worse than whatever uh is viewed as the average American. I am an American and so is my family. So my parents immigrated, my father did in 1966. And for your listeners, so LBJ enacted the Immigration Reform Act in October of 1965. So we uh, Indians were allowed to immigrate after October of 1965. So my parents came here in August of 1966. So they were the very, very first wave of Indian immigrants now 55 years ago. My dad is a, a, uh, an engineer, worked for IBM. And he 
faced a lot of discrimination um, as an Indian and as a Muslim in IBM in the 1970s. And ironically, now 55 years later, the CEO of IBM is a South Indian <laughs> immigrant. So, uh, so that is a 55-year journey. Uh, um, so I have a, a sister and there was just the two of us and in typical South Asian Indian fashion, uh, there is a pressure to exceed because what our parents show us is um, what does the American system value? And that's, those are the things that we need to acquire. So an Ivy League education is valued by everybody in America. Uh, certain professions are valued, a lawyer, doctor, engineer, those are valued. So my father pushed for us to acquire the educational status symbols that are valued by this new country of ours. And that involves excellence in, in education and in those educational institutions, which everybody acknowledges are the cream of the crop. So I was a, went to medical school at UCLA. I was a, a medicine resident and a chief resident at UC San Francisco. And then I did my cardiology and my cardiac electrophysiology fellowship at Brigham and Women's. And I had thought I was going to be staying at the Brigham um, to teach. So I got a master's degree in medical science from Harvard. In fact, you've interviewed several people on your podcast who I was actually ahead of as uh, a cardiology fellow, Laura Mori. Um, uh, I think I've heard maybe Amit Kara. So I was, um, I was a, um, you know, a cardiology fellow with those people. And I had two children along the way. And it became difficult for me to balance practicing electrophysiology and doing intense procedures with writing a, a KO8 or R01 grant and then having children at home. So I couldn't do all three. So I had to focus on um, my EP practice and my family. And my husband, who's also Southern Indian, hated the Boston snow. So, so uh, life found us here in the Dallas area, which is where I've been in practice now 21 years um, in electrophysiology. Um, and life has come full circle for me. My youngest son, I was pregnant with him as, a, um, as an EP fellow at the Brigham in 1999. And this last year, uh, he's a pre-med now at the University of Chicago. This last year, he and I co-authored a review article on convergent ablation for atrial fibrillation. And as a, and, and he was, uh, he was, I was, he was in utero when I scrubbed my very first pacemaker uh, at the West Roxbury VA as a fellow. And uh, right now he's doing epigenetic research um, at the University of Chicago on atrial fibrillation in um, African-Americans in the south side of Chicago. So, <laughs> so it's, as you know, life is a big circle and that circle is closing. I see it coming around for me, Ankur, uh, in, in my medical journey and in my life's journey. Yeah, no, it's, it's so, you know, such heart form, heart, heartwarming to, uh, to, to learn more about your background and, and your values and, 
you know, I definitely identify with, with all of them, you know, my, uh, you know, just to sort of uh, give you my side of the story. And, you know, I'm sure the, the listenership has, has heard me say this, uh, you know, before, but I, I am a first gen, I mean, I am, I am the first generation immigrant, if you will. Uh, so my, my parents are in Delhi, India. And, um, you know, I came here after medical school and residency uh, in, in India and then repeated my residency training and then did my cardiovascular disease fellowship and, and you know, subsequent two more fellowships in interventional cardiology and structural heart uh, disease interventions. Um, the, the very last fellowship was actually in Houston at the Methodist DeBakey Heart and Vascular Center. And my interventional fellowship was uh, actually uh, just across the street from where you did yours at the Bethesda Deaconess Medical Center um, in, in Boston. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I completely relate, I was, when you were telling me about the, uh, you know, value system that our parents inculcate in us, and that is the importance, the importance in, in our households, you know, the Asian Indian households for education and for, you know, for striving for excellence and for, you know, shooting for the stars and aiming to be at these top, top medical centers and, uh, these academic institutions for training. Um, I, it, it was very relatable to me. <laughs> so uh, thank you. For, thank you for sharing that aspect. And, you know, congratulations to to your family, you know, now that your son is, is pursuing medicine and, uh, you know, what couldn't be more special than have your son co-author uh, an electrophysiology paper with you. Uh, so congratulations on that as well. Yeah, no, I, I think that the, the thing is this, is that, uh, when you acquire certain things on your educational pedigree, where I went to college, a Harvard degree, or a, it, so it's hard for people to not take notice, even though I'm a five foot three Indian woman who's also a Muslim woman. So those things which I've acquired speak for themselves. Uh, even though I'm short of stature, I have a Muslim name. Uh, and uh, because those are symbols of excellence that are universally accepted in this wonderful country of ours that I've uh, acquired because my father taught me that uh, excellence can never be ignored. That is such a beautiful uh, sentence, um, you know, to sort of uh, put in quotes and, and frame it on the wall, right? Um, is excellence can never be ignored. I'm gonna, I, I'm, you know, I, I love quotes and I, I collect quotes, and I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna collect. Uh, I put this in my uh, in my list of collectibles. But uh, but moving on, uh, so Hafiza, um, now so tell us more about uh, like choosing Instagram, or w was it because I mean because what you do? I mean I, I I don't know if this was I mean if this was in, if you took inspiration from, from other accounts or you sort of wanted to, you have your own voice, uh, on, on a social media platform, but how, how did it occur to you that you would develop the kind of content that you develop on Instagram? So I actually started it because I wanted to see more women and, um, join electrophysiology. So I, I would attend, you know, meeting after meeting and I would be the only woman EP in the room. And, after a while, that just weighs on you. So the women in cardiology, the 
hashtag WIC, there's a lot of power in that in the Twitter world. But there's not anything that really corresponds to that in the EP world, even though the, our last um, Heart Rhythm Society president and our current one are electrophysiologists. So they're leading through example. But my specialty is so obscure. So how can I get the message to other young women in the pipeline? They're not on Twitter. They're, they're pre-med, they're med students, they're internal medicine residents. Um, you know, Twitter, you can hide behind words, and that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Uh, but on Instagram, you are laid for, out for everyone to see in a visual way. And that's both frightening <laughs> and empowering. So less than 8% of women, uh, less than 8% of cardiac electrophysiologists are women. And in the entire state of Texas, there's only eight women EPs. Well, so the pre-meds of this world, the high school students of this world, the med students, they are not on Twitter. So where are those young um, millennial and Gen Z women? <laughs> They're on Instagram. So that was the platform that I had to be on to show young people, young women, uh, that, that my specialty exists, that my specialty is wonderful, and that uh, I am nothing special uh, in terms of what other women can do. They can have children and a marriage and be an EP and work full time and be happy, fulfilled, and not burnt out. So I chose Instagram because that demographic is the message that uh, the message that I wanted to give is that's the social media demographic that those people are on. Your mission is very inspiring, and uh, it's also very clear. Uh, and um, you know, you've um, the steps that you've taken to fulfill that mission are also, um, you know, again, you know, uh, excellence isn't isn't something that you can hide and um it's it's very it's very evident it's very apparent um you know with the kind of content that you've you've been developing and that you've developed um and and that you share with with your followers um so uh, you know about so 50,000 followers wow that's 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 an that's an incredible number um and congratulations on that what percentage of those followers are the audience that you wished for when you started your account you know, with the purpose that he did. Yeah, so it gives you some interesting uh, analytics there. So 65% of my followers are women. And the number one age group uh, is actually uh, between the ages of 20 and 30. My second largest age group is uh, late teens to mid 20s. And the third largest is uh, mid 40s to early 50s. So Instagram is a younger demographic as opposed to, you know, Facebook, which tends to be an older demographic. Also, Instagram is more women and um, just because there's a visual aspect to that. But as I've continued my, my microblog, so my intent was to reach young women to show them my specialty and show them that they could be a woman not only in cardiology, but in procedure-based cardiology. I then have evolved because there's only eight women EPs in Texas, okay? And so there's five of us in, in the Dallas area. So every woman with 
menopausal PVCs, palpitations, POTS syndrome, orthostatic hypotension was ending up in my practice. And um, so, you know, I'm an electrophysiologist and I do procedures and ablations, but I found myself talking to women about hormones and PVCs, um, menopausal estrogen shifts and PVCs, um, orthostatic hypotension, about how anxiety and panic can trigger the fight or flight reflex and can trigger RV outflow tract PVCs. So this message about, uh, you know, the, the skip and the thump and the palpitation and the heart racing. So they go to their primary care doctor who sends them to a cardiologist who does a holder and does a stress test and an echo and who knows other things. And sometimes a 30 day monitor and the 30 day monitor will pick up you know, 1% PVCs or, and then they're told, well, this is all good. Go, go see me. So, so they're not sure what's happening because the, but the buck has to stop with me, Uncle. I've got to tell them that how their hormones uh, relate to, to their, um, to their palpitations, how the stress, anxiety, panic, and sleep relate to their palp. Someone's got to stop this cycle and tell them that the beat of their heart connects to every aspect of their life, their marriage, their children, their sleep, uh, their alcohol and caffeine intake. And the reason that they're told everything is normal and nobody's finding anything, it's not because there's pathophysiology, but because what they're experiencing is normal physiology. And so I then started uh, talking about that on my, on my uh, Instagram. Um, what does it mean when your Apple Watch thinks that you're an AFib? What does it mean when the heart rate variability on your Apple Watch? So if I can give people a little bit of education about their wearable, they're searching for an answer. And a 15-minute, 20-minute doctor visit, it's not giving them what they need, Uncle. So I then started putting things like that out. And you and I, were from India, and you know our culture invented yoga. <laughs> and, you know, breathing techniques are the ultimate vagal, uh, you know, vagal maneuver. How can these women understand what they're feeling? And how can they take uh, meditation, yoga, breathing techniques, ujjayi breath, pranayama, and how can they use it to their advantage? We in procedure-based cardiology are, are often accused of not being, quote unquote, holistic. But that's not true. So I think that the beauty of EP is that everything connects to the heartbeat, your gut, your brain, your sleep, your hormones. So if women are on Instagram and if I can show them uh, the connection between their life and the beat of their heart, then I hope that I can empower them to, uh, to make changes where it's necessary. Yeah, no, this is, um, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that procedure-based cardiologists, uh, you know, interventionalists, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are, are, are considered to be, you know, zealots of, zealots of procedures, but, and, and, you know, not, not, not holistic, but I, I just, I just think that that's not the true depiction of who we are as individuals. And, you know, we, I mean, I am very spiritually driven. Yes. I've read your, I've, I've read your writing and your poetry. It's beautiful. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot for reading it. Uh, so, you know, I, I agree with you that, uh, you know, we need to, 
you, you know, I think with, with people like you and, uh, you know, others who, um, who, who have this passion for holistic, you know, medicine and holistic science and, uh, and, you know, interacting with our patients as a whole and not only looking at them from a procedural aspect is, is, is extremely, is an extremely important message that needs to be shared with, uh, you know, not only our, amongst our colleagues, but also with our patients and, and, um, you know, with, with community at large. Uh, so, so thank you for being, uh, the beacon for, for sharing that message. Um, so, so let me, let me ask you as a, as a follow-up to the following that you have on Instagram and, you know, it's great that 65% of, of their followers are, are women and, and women in the right demographic, you know, so that is, I'm, I'm sure like you also shared with us is very fulfilling for you. And that's great. How many of those, how many of those followers, um, have sort of, you know, tried to strike a conversation with you and cause I, I mean, I know it could get very busy, right? I mean, if, if you, uh, you know, if, if people start sending you direct messages on Instagram, which people can, it can get very busy responding to everyone. How do you, do you have a, do you have a social media manager? How, how do you do that? I'm just curious. No, I don't because this is a hobby. So there's no use in me, you know, spending money on that, but I try. So the whole power of social media is, is a connection, especially in this pandemic. So I try and answer as many messages as I can. Um, I can't give direct medical advice, but I do have a large number of South Asian followers as well as young Muslim women followers. And I think they view me as an older sister, an auntie, a, a mother figure. And so I try and uh, answer as many as I can. And it's incredible the messages that I get that, um, you know, women who've chosen to be, are, there's a new app called Clubhouse. And I just hosted a chat right before this. And one of the UT Southwestern um, cardiology fellows told me that she follows me. And this year she is going to um, be an interventional cardiology fellow. And one of her co-fellows is going to be an EP fellow. And they both follow me on Instagram. And they have taken the step to be procedure-based cardiologists. And uh, that means that my message is getting through. So if possible, um, for my mental health too, I try and answer as many direct messages, especially um, from women that I can or that are uh, legitimate medical questions. And I guess my following has parsed out to people who truly are interested in me and my message. Something about me connects with them. My heritage, my gender, my skin color, my religion, the fact that I'm a mom, something connects me to them. And uh, I don't take that responsibility lightly. So I do attempt to answer as many as I can. Um, well, I mean, there's, uh, it's, it's hard not to like you, right? Afiza? I mean, like, look, you, you are, you are, you're a successful woman, um, uh, you know, of, you know, who, who, you know, immigrant parents, ethnic background, worked hard, um, went to, you know, top of the line, um, you know, educational institutions, uh, made, uh, made an incredible life for herself and, you know, her family. Um, you have nothing but just incredible messages to share, uh, on social media. You're using your platform 
for the greater good. Um, I mean, you know, like it's, it's hard to not like you quite frankly. So, <laughs> so well, for, uh, and you know, my message has, has pivoted a little bit with COVID and it, you know, I, I love science and it never struck me that people could not like science or that science could be twisted or that someone who is a scientist can be viewed as a liar. <laughs> so that was a startling fact to me in this last year. So I take on, I'm an old microbiology and I'm really old microbiology major as an undergrad. So I have live blogged my vaccine experience. So last eight days ago, I got my second Moderna shot and I live blogged the entire thing, including my reactogenicity, which was a temp of 104. So Ankur, 15,000 people tuned in to my Instagram stories minute by minute as I, my temperature was rising, as I took a Tylenol, as I was telling them how I felt and uh, my experience. That's 15,000 people. Me in my bathroom, in my bed, blogging that oh, I, my eyeballs were on fire because it was so hot. Then I took my mother to her first vaccine appointment at UT at Parkland last week. And another 12,000 people watched me and my mother walk in and my mother to get her vaccine dose. I spent that night at my mom's house because I wasn't sure, you know, it's her first dose, so probably she wouldn't have much of a reaction, but I spent the night with her because, uh, you know, she's my mom and I love her. Uh, 18,000 people watched my stories of my mom and I that night and how she did with her vaccine experiment. 18,000 people. Yeah, so that's, that's powerful, right? I mean, like when you... Confidence, right? That look, this doctor loves her mother, and she took her mother to get vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, I, I was so this. This is incredible, right? Because, like, um, you know, we we go to these. I mean, you go to these. You go to your electrophysiology meetings. I go to my uh, interventional cardiology meetings. I mean, th those those numbers are the kinds of numbers you would not even the major, you know, medical conferences would have. Right. I mean, our, our way out of this pandemic is to give people confidence in these two incredible vaccines that we've been given. I, I agree with you. So they know that, look, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm a highly educated person and I love my mother and my children. And see this doctor on Instagram, she's smart. And her mom got, she took her mom to get vaccinated. And this doctor on Instagram, she loves her, her two sons and she speaks about them all the time. And she took her sons to get uh, vaccinated. So it must be safe, right? So the personal connection is an art, both in the healing aspect of medicine, but also in science communication. Yes. And, you know, I, I mean, kudos to, you know, people like you and, and Danielle uh, Bellardo. I, Danielle has been a, been a guest of ours. Oh, she's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like people, people like, people like you and her, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've told her uh, that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of what she does with, with her platform as well. Um, and, you know, I, kudos to, you know, people like, like you both who, you know, have sort of used, um, used the platform, um, you, you know, to spread the, the right messages and very important messages and messages, which, are crucial for 
for public health and you know for dissemination of science and you know i i i sort of um i again i i identify with their sentiment of you know science being attacked and and scientists being you know framed as liars and you know it's 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 extremely sad it's very disheartening uh it's it's also uh, it's just demotivating you know because i mean you and i know how hard you know people like us work and you know how much we work and you know how tedious the work is and uh you know i i can i can speak on behalf of physician scientists who sort of work to collect the evidence and collect the data and generate the evidence i mean it's 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 not easy to crunch numbers and and you know verify numbers and re-verify numbers absolutely it's a labor of love right it is it is and you know to to go through iterations after iterations after iterations of manuscripts uh, to you know to make sure that you are putting out the best evidence out there it's 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 tedious work and as you said it's labor of love and you know when 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 you get attacked or when you get attacked as a community uh you know from from people who really don't know what they're talking about it's it's very disheartening it's a talk though yeah and the thing is uh, the kaiser family foundation uh released a poll uh i think last week or the week after about you know how do we what surrogates do we use to get the vaccine message out and it turns out you know uh certain figures can be very polarizing. So, you know, one of my personal heroes is Dr. Fauci. But it turns out that if you're a Republican, a message from Dr. Fauci is going to actually make you more vaccine hesitant. Okay. So so public figures uh, can be polarizing, even though you and I may not view them as being polarizing. So, So I keep my Instagram very uh, politically neutral because the message is not a Republican or a Democratic message. So when it comes from me, Hafiza, the mother, the wife, the daughter, uh, that message may get across to somebody of, of, of a political view that could see Dr. Fauci as being, uh, you know, um, in the pocket of the, you know, uh, the Democrats or, or whichever political affiliation you would attribute him to be. Yeah, no, Avisa, thanks again. This has been, this has been great conversation and thank you for making the time late Sunday evening for this. Any closing remarks uh, from you as we close down this, uh, this, uh, this episode? Well, I think that there's um, three pandemics. There's the viral pandemic. There's the misinformation pandemic. And then there's what you and I are used to experiencing, which is the pandemic of heart disease. So if there's the social media, whichever social media platform you choose, it's important for physicians to stick their neck out outside of the Twitter bubble that we live in to reach the people that we serve who are in desperate need of connection with a a legitimate uh, medical source of information that they trust. Yeah, no, that's that's a beautiful message. Um, again, um, you know, um, to, to our listeners who who do not know about Athesa's Instagram handle, or you know, who, who do not follow her, we'll make sure that her Instagram handle is mentioned in our show notes. Um, you know, do uh, rate us and review us. 
on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud and Spotify. Um, you know, each review actually helps us, uh, you know, showcase our, our guests to a larger audience. You know, people like Hafiza Khan, who's, who's Dr. Hafiza Khan, who's, who's doing incredible work, you know, through her social media and also is, is, a, is a busy clinician and a clinical cardiac electrophysiologist. Um, you know, each review helps us, um, uh, you know, grow uh, more and, and, you know, reach to reach out to more, more people, more, uh, you know, house staff, residents, fellows, what have you. Uh, so that more uh, people of color, more people from varied ethnic backgrounds, diverse backgrounds, women, um, you know, South Asians, uh, you know, Muslims can actually follow, um, you know, Hafiza's footsteps and, and become, uh, a, you know, a, a phenomenal uh, clinical cardiac electrophysiologist. So, so with that, Hafiza, thanks again and, you know, have a good evening. Thank you so much for having me. Dear cardiologists, we want to make this podcast about you and for you. So please email us your critical thoughts, comments and questions at podcast at radcliffe-group.com and visit uscjournal.com for more information. You can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram at Radcliffe Cardiology for daily updates. Join thousands of cardiologists and become a Radcliffian by registering to radcliffecardiology.com. You will receive regular newsletters and gain access to hundreds of expert interviews, educational webinars, clinical cases, and peer-reviewed articles from our six medical review journals on general cardiology, interventional cardiology, arrhythmia and electrophysiology, cardiac failure, and vascular and endovascular surgery. Thank you.